following is a presentation of Bridges Community Church. Our teacher today is Pastor Nate Glaze. For more information on Bridges Community Church, visit us online at www.bridgescc.org. We're continuing the study through the book of Romans. And the book of Romans, it builds. It's a letter, right? It's, it's not just one section or one chapter. It's an entire book. And uh, the, the section we're getting at today is Romans 2. And in Romans 2, Paul is, is showing how there's so many things in our life that we think have value, that we think are important, but in the end, they don't really matter, or they're not what matters most, right? And so the question I want us just to kind of think about a little bit this morning is, is how do we focus on things that, that really matter? I mean, that, that ultimately, that when we, we go up and we, we stand before God, God says, that's, that's the things I want you to focus your life on. Um, and, and just kind of a funny story as we kind of start to think about this. Um, it's actually not a funny story. It's a, it's a quite horrific story. But uh, I don't know how many of you guys remember Dusty. He was like our college pastor maybe, oh, maybe like 10 years ago now, right? And uh, Dusty was working on the buses in the back of our parking lot one day. And uh, we have this like uh, coolant reservoir on the buses, and it's really hard to see what the level in it was. And so he just not thinking, the buses have been running all day, and it, they were really hot. He just tapped on it to see what happened. And this reservoir just exploded, just blowing, just scalding hot water all over him. And I can hear him. I'm up in my office on the other side, and I just hear this, this blood-curdling scream, right? And I, I run downstairs as quick as I can. And I get there, and what I see is I see Dusty, and Dusty is dancing around at this point. He's just in his boxers, right? He's stripped down. And Florine, one of our facilities guys, has gotten milks from somewhere on campus here. And Dusty is like dancing, screaming like this, dumping milk down his body, right? Like, well, what's going on? So I grab him, and I throw him in the, the, my truck, and we, we race down to the emergency room. And he's still just like dripping in, in milk, and I had to sell that truck after that. And... Uh, <laughs> And we get to the emergency room, and the, we, they rush us right in. I mean, he's really burnt bad. And uh, they rush us right in, and the nurse is, is right there. And she goes, okay, what happened? And, and Dusty starts explaining what happens. And he goes, but don't worry. I, I think it's going to be okay because I've been dumping milk on myself since this thing happened. And um, you can just see it in her eyes, right? And, and he goes, that, that helps, right? And she just like in this sweet motherly voice goes, if you want it to, honey. <laughs> Right? And, and it just, it made me think of all these things in our life that we do, these things that we think matter, these things that we think have value. And the last thing I want to do is in my life and go up to heaven and, and go, God, look at all the great things I've done for you. Aren't you so proud of me? Isn't this what you wanted for me? And have God go, yeah, that, that's not it, man. Didn't you read my Bible? Didn't you see what it is I, I really wanted for you? See, all of us, we have these things in our lives, these things that we focus our life around that we think have value, right? Uh, for, for many of us, it's being a good person. It's not screwing up, or at least not screwing up that bad, you know? It's something maybe about the, the deadly sins, and we shouldn't murder. You know, most of us feel pretty good about that. We shouldn't rob, or at least not that much, you know? Or we shouldn't lie. Well, that one's not that big of a deal. But you know what I mean? We need to be better than that guy, you know? Or... 
Or maybe for some of us, it's this sense of, of being a spiritual person, right? Connecting with God, and we come here on a Sunday morning, and we hear the music, and, and there's this spiritual experience we have, and we think, okay, that's really what life is about. That's what ultimately this is about. Or maybe it's, it's about finding this a Christian identity, right? Being kind of identified, labeled as a Christian. And it's, it's, it's important to you, you know, it's kind of like on your bumper sticker and the t-shirts you wear and uh, the way you just, you know, address yourself, the kind of things you say, the way you vote. And that's what's really most important is kind of your identity as a Christian that sets you apart from maybe other people. Uh, or, or again, maybe for some of us, it's through our social actions. We think that the point of life is, is our social actions, like the way we care for other people, the way we uh, maybe coming and serving on impact days like we talked about, or, or these different social things we do. And we think, okay, that ultimately is what has worth and the most important in life. And, and there's a list of these things. It could be maybe about how well you know the Bible, you know, and you think that's what the Christian life is all about. That's what God desires from me is just to know my Bible. So if I memorize lots of it, if I carry a big Bible around with me all the time, and, and if I don't even really say sentences without quoting Bible somewhere in there, then that, that's ultimately it. And I think all these things are valuable, and all of these things have real worth when put into the right context. But as we see in what we're going to be reading today, what Paul is getting at is he's speaking to a group of people in Jerusalem, the the Jewish portion of the church in Jerusalem. And kind of like us, they had all these things that they thought were what really mattered. They thought was what was important. They thought their Jewish identity, their adherence to the law, their circumcision, these were the things that they they thought were so important. And Paul kind of works his way through each one of these things and goes, no, that's not it. That's not it. No, that's not it either. Now, the good news for all of us is, well, not all of us, maybe some of us in here, but most of us in here, we don't have the same issues that the Jews in Rome did around the first of the century, right? Ours are slightly different. But if we're honest with ourselves, the underlying reality that was true for them is true for us. So as we read this, as we look at this, let's make sure we don't just apply it by pointing the finger and go, yeah, they were ridiculous. I can't believe they did that. But instead go, and I can't believe we do this. This is, this is us. So let's open our Bible. Let's get started. Uh, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And uh, it's starting in verse 17. There we go. So it starts off with this. It says, but if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and you boast in God... And you know his will, and you approve of what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure of yourself as a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor to the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Now, I'm sure when they're reading this for the first time, they're going, "Uh uh-oh, what's he going to do here, right? Like, yeah, of course, we, we believe all these things. We, we've been educated in the law. Yeah, you know that. You know that we, we teach the children. You know that we bring light into the darkness. Where, where are you going with this? And he turns it around. He says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? While you say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among 
to the Gentiles because of you. And this is not a letter I would want to get, right? But I think this is probably a letter that is written to me. Keeps going. It says, For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inward, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. His praise is not from man, but from God. So let's start this morning and just take a look at some of the things that uh, the Jewish Christians in Rome were kind of putting up as the things they thought that mattered. And, And listen to the words of Paul, really the words of God saying, no, these are not the things that matter to me most. So the first thing is, I think God wants more than a status update, right? We all, a lot of us have Facebook. We know this, right? You can just simply put your status update. You can change your your thing from, oh, I was irreligious, now I'm Christian, right? Or I was an atheist, and now I'm Christian. Or I used to, you know, you can do all these different things. You can just put your status up there. And really, that's kind of what was going on here for, for the Christians in um, the Jewish Christians in Rome, they said, no, we've got a status. He starts off, for those of you who are Jews, they're going, yeah, that's us. We are Jews. We are people of God. We are the chosen ones. That's us. That's our status. That's our privileged place. See, they were operating out of this place of spiritual uh, superiority. They thought they were better than the other Christians in the church there. And normally when we think of this, this kind of superiority, we think of how this makes other people feel, right? Like if we walk around acting all superior, then what do other people think? But what Paul is getting at here is it's not necessarily just about what it's doing to other people. It's what it's doing to them, that they had developed really this theology of privilege. They had thought because of their ethnicity, because of their status, because of who they were, that they were privileged and that God liked them more, that they were more important than everybody else, that they had this end to salvation, that just because of who they were, they were saved, they were good, that 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 really was what mattered. And now the thing is, is their privilege was, was legitimate, right? I mean, it wasn't, Paul doesn't go in and say, you think you have all these privileges. You think that, that you are the people of God. You think that you have the law. Well, none of that's true. No, he, he doesn't say that. But what's more important is that their use of this privilege was, was broken. They were using their privilege not, not to draw them closer to God, not to submit themselves more to God, but as a crutch to keep them from having to submit to God. They were blessed. They were uh, the people that God had entered into a special relationship with them so that the entire world would know who God was and that God would be made famous. They were given the law that, that Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. It was given to the people, and they were to live out this law in such a way that they were to be a model for the world, that the world would see this and go, wow, they must worship an awesome God. A lot of these things that that Paul is addressing here are are true things. They did have this special relationship with God. When you read through the Old Testament, they were supposed to be a light in the darkness. They were supposed to be instructors of the foolish, uh, teachers of the children, guide for the blind. That was part of what God had called them to. That was part of their privileged position. But they had mistaken that 
for being privileged and just having an in. And so they had neglected what God had ultimately called them to. And I think this hits home for a lot of us. See, you and I, those of us who have grown up in a Christian home, in a Christian community, we are privileged also. My little daughter, she's going to grow up and and she's going to know huge chunks of the Bible because of this church, because of the community here, right? She's going to know biblical morality. She's going to know how to pray. She's going to know that God, the creator of the universe, loves her and has a, a desire to be in relationship with her. That is an awesome privilege. But that privilege can become a crutch if she thinks, no, I'm good. I'm I'm a Christian. I was born into a Christian family or I'm part of the Christian community. I know what this means. This is my status. And and Paul is getting at us and saying, no, we've got to fight against this. This theology of privilege, it it can destroy us. It can become our, our idols. It can make us feel like we're superior to other people. We can start looking down on each other, thinking that we're better than other people because we call ourselves a Christian. See, listen to some of the things that they, they kind of lined up. They thought that they were a guide to the blind, right? They were there for the darkness and the children and the foolish. And they had all these descriptions for other people. And what they, they kind of put themselves in is, okay, well, if we're here for the blind people, then that must mean we are just totally spiritually enlightened, Right? And if we're here to teach the foolish, then we must be so wise. We must be so smart. We must have it all together. If we're here to teach the children, then we must be incredibly mature and just, we got this together. Instead, what the Bible teaches is that that we too, we are are struggling. And the only reason that we see any light is because the Spirit lives inside of us. That we too are children. We are children of God. And that it is not this sense of superiority that we lead and we teach and we guide. But it's this, this sense of humility. And we say, hey, here's the journey I'm on. Here, I'm a broken person. Come, let's, let's learn together. Let me show you what I have found. You know, I remember, and I, I've told this before. I, uh, when I was up in Oregon, I got to do some work Um, with street kids up there in Portland. And what amazed me about this community is that if any of these kids found anything, they immediately shared it with the rest of their group, right? Even to the fact, like, if they got a pack of cigarettes, they would open this pack of cigarettes, and they would give out every one of those to their peers. And uh, the, the point of this is not it's just that their, their status, they did not consider themselves superior to everybody else because they had a little bit more, but they wanted to share it with each other. And how much more so should we as the church, should we as Christians have this attitude that we are broken and lost, but God has found us, that he has found us and wants to have a relationship with us. And it's from that place of humility that we teach and we guide and we instruct. It's important for us to remember that, that we are special right? The God of the universe, the creator of the universe chose you and I, but he did not choose us because we are special, right? We are special because he chose us because he is special, not because we are special. It's not because I was such a good person that God looked down from heaven and said, wow, Nate, you know what? You're in, you're good, right? That would never happen. He did it because he loves us and he chose us. So we're in the middle of this break in the mold campaign, right? And all of us have chosen to pray not all of us, but many of us here have chosen to pray for five of our friends that they come to know and to worship Jesus. And it's so important that we don't just call people to change their status, right? That we don't just think, oh, you need to be like us. You need to be a Christian. That's the point. That's not the point. 
The point is not to, to have a title, to have an identity. The point is for our friends. We want them to come to know and to worship Jesus. And the only way we can do that is if you and I know and worship Jesus and we are humbled by that reality, right? So God wants more than just a simple status update. The next point that I, I pulled from this text is God wants more than simple rule-keeping. Now, I say simple rule-keeping because obeying the law of God is vital to our Christian walk. But simple rule-keeping is this idea that we can simply uh, come up with this list of things we need to accomplish to be good enough. And if we accomplish those things, if we can check those boxes, then we're good enough. And that actually becomes, again, a crutch to keeping us away from the good news of the gospel. And this is the problem that, that Paul is trying to address for these uh, Jerusalem Jews. They had this mechanical system of keeping the law. They thought because they did these certain things in this certain way, then they were in, that they had somehow earned their, their place of favor with God, that God would look at them and go, okay, did you check this box, this box, this box, this box? Oh, sweet, good job, come on in, you're in. You are an official law-keeping Jew. They said, no, no. God wants more than that. He wants all of us. And the reality is, is none of us can keep the law anyway, right? Here they're going around, they're saying, yeah, we've got this. We tell people not to rob. And Paul goes, yeah, but you're robbing yourself. They might be saying, no, not really. Yeah, we might have some shady business practices, but that's not robbing anybody, right? We're not taking anything. They didn't want that anyway. He says, you're telling people don't commit adultery. Like, well, we're not really committing adultery. Like, we're not having affairs necessarily. Yeah, maybe the, the prostitutes or maybe this thing or that thing. I don't know what exactly was going on in their culture, but something was going on that they thought they were good, but they weren't. Even to the fact that it says you abhor idols, but you're robbing from temples. Like, you are hip, hypocritic, hypocr- yeah, hypocritical in, in your very actions, Right? And I think the point is so obvious that, that even if we try to keep the law, the reality of it is the law continually points back to show that we are just lawbreakers. That is who we are, that, that we can't do it no matter how hard we try, that, that we, can't, we can't do it. And so we teach, but we don't allow those teachings to influence ourselves. We preach against sin, yet we, we jump right into it. And I think we've all seen this. We've seen situations where uh, the teacher can lead people to a place that they're not even going themselves. I grew up in a church where the, the senior pastor of the church was involved in horrific sin that entire time. And he was, I think he was authentic. And I think in so many areas of his life that he truly was a godly man. And he did some amaz- God did some amazing things through him. But in the end, it turned out to be this, this whole sham because he was broken inside, and, and he wasn't admitting it. He wasn't working through it. And so we realize this, that, that, that we can't do it, right? We can't just simply obey rules to earn the, the approval of God. Now, I'm not trying to at all excuse our sinfulness, right? Because Paul, he addresses it. He goes, because of your sinfulness, because of your breaking the law, you are blaspheming God. He goes, this is ugly. This is not something you want in your life. So don't step away from this and go, hey, we're all screwed up. We're all a bunch of sinners. So let's just sin right on. No big deal, right? Because that's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, stop it. That's ugly. But what he's also saying is quit walking around thinking because you've accomplished these things, because you've developed your own little system of morality. And in your little system of morality, you can stay within it that you're good. 
And I think in the church, we can do the same thing, right? We, we've developed this system. If you don't say these kind of words, if you don't do this kind of thing, if you don't go to this kind of movie, if you do these kind of things, then you're good. And we've got to go, no, 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 that's simple rule keeping. That's not what God wants from our life. The next point here that I see is that God wants more than just outward symbols. And he gets at this place uh, in the second half of this section, right? He, he goes into really the status of these believers, which for them was held in, in circumcision, right? And uh, he says, hey, you guys think this is so important. You think this outward symbol is what matters. Well, it, it's not, uh, Pastor Ron addressed this a little bit last week, but during kind of the Maccabean revolution or the revolt, uh, this became, circumcision especially became this great sense of like national and uh, racial pride and religious pride, especially outside of Jerusalem, out for the, um, the believers scattered around the Roman Empire and there in Rome. They felt like, okay, our identity is found, our Jewish identity is found in our circumcision. This is really what matters. Paul's saying, no, I don't think it is. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I've ever written a letter uh, or a text message or an email or any sort of communication where I've started it off with saying, now about circumcision, right? Because <laughs> this, this isn't our outward symbol. This isn't part of our culture, okay? But it was for them. This was deeply rooted in what it meant to be who they were. And they thought that this is what ultimately that, that God kind of gave them an in. That even the, the women, they could say, well, we are part of the circumcised community. Look at our, our sons. We've raised our sons this way. This is who we are. And Paul says, no, that's just an outward symbol. I want so much more from you. It's kind of like this. It's like an academic degree, right? Well, we have this idea that if you study hard and if you take the right classes and if you pass these classes and you do a certain series of things, at the end of that, you get a little piece of paper that says you have completed this and you have a degree of whatever that degree is, whether bachelor's or master's or whatever. Um, but I've actually found an easier way to do this. Uh, I was looking around online and there's a website, it's called Express University, and you just, you just pay and you can buy these degrees. And it's a whole lot cheaper than if you actually went to the school right? I'm serious. For 150 bucks, you can get an AA degree and you can even like get academic transcripts, everything. You just tell them what classes you want to take and what your grades were. And they kind of average that out for you and send you a nice piece of paper with this. And uh, so for 150 bucks, you can get an AA degree, but for 350, you can get a doctorate degree. (laughs) And for only an extra 50 bucks, you can get it with honors, right? (laughs) So from now on, everybody here needs to call me Dr. Glaze, please. That's, uh, <laughs> right? You, we, we know how stupid that is. Can you imagine if I bought one of those and I stuck it on the wall of my office? And, you know, it would just be an outward symbol. It wouldn't reflect the reality. We put these degrees on our wall because it reflects this deep change that occurred in our life, this, this mental transformation that we went through when we were in school, Right? But in the same way, if we go around thinking that if we just have outward symbols of our Christianity, that's what it takes. And I think some of those for us as Christians might just be something that we think, because I raised my hand and, uh, to accept Jesus, then I'm in. That, that earned my salvation. That was what it took. Or because I came front and I prayed, then, then I'm in. I'm good. I earned my salvation. Or because I was baptized, that's what it took. Or because I did communion every Sunday, that's what it took. And I think God is looking down and going... Really? 
You think your little outward symbols, you think that's the point? Now, outward symbols are important, just like keeping the law of God is important, and just like identifying with Christ is important. But if we make this the priority in our life, we're missing the point of what God wants for us. Now, I know some of us, we saw um, the baptism last week with Sue and Ronnie. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, But this couple, they, they stood up there, and they were baptized, and they shared about just how God has transformed their life. And I don't know about you guys, but when that outward symbol happened, it was so beautiful. But it wasn't beautiful because they went underwater. It was beautiful because it reflected that they had fully given their heart to Christ. And that is what Paul is getting at, is that God doesn't want all these outward things. God wants our heart. He says this for a jar, um, Paul says this, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inward, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. See, it's not by our outward symbols of circumcision. It's not by the letter. It's not by keeping the law. It is by giving God our heart, and that can only happen through the the spirit. See, keep in mind, we're in chapter 2, and next week we get into chapter 3, and Paul continues to build out this story. And he continues to share how it is solely about the good news of the gospel that you and I are saved. It is not about anything we can do. It is not about any steps we take. So quit putting our faith in what we can do and put our faith in who God is. And when we do that, we are submitting our heart to God. It's a lordship issue. It's us saying, okay, God, I can't do it. Here's my heart. And what happens when we do that, we quit focusing so much on the praise of each other, and we start focusing on the praise of God. It doesn't mean that praise from each other doesn't matter, but it becomes secondary to the praise of God. Imagine this. I know nothing. I mean, this is true. I know nothing about figure skating. I've watched it when I was a kid, when my mom used to watch it on TV, and I have not a lot of interest in it, so I don't know much about it. But imagine I flew over to Sochi, and I'm like waiting in line to meet the figure skaters as they come out, right, and doing their thing. And I meet this individual, and he wasn't a great figure skater. In fact, he came in dead last. Uh, But I meet him. I go, hey, just great job out there. I really like the twirly thing you did. That was cool. Um, (laughs) And and while I'm shaking his hand, the, the gold medalist comes over. And the gold medalist shakes this guy's hand and goes, hey, by the way, I... I really like some of the things you did. I know you didn't you score very well, but I think you've got a lot of potential. If you ever want to train with me, I would be happy to train with you. That would be a lot of fun. We could work on things together. And then what if I piped in and went, yeah, yeah, or if you want to train with me. Um, I've never actually skated, but I've rollerbladed before. I think it's similar. If you want, we can do this together, man, right? I mean, clearly that figure skater would not want my praise. He would want the praise from the master, But why is it that we want and fight so hard from the praise of each other when the creator of the universe, God himself, is saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to live with me. I want you to be in relationship with me. And we're saying, yeah, but when I do these things, they think I'm pretty cool. But if I, if I do these outward things, if I wear this T-shirt, if I have this bumper sticker, if I get a lot of praise from people, and that's just a lot easier than getting your praise, God. See, it's a lot easier for me to get your guys' praise than it is to get God's praise, right? If I tell you about some little sin in my life, you guys probably feel a little bit guilty about your own sin, and so you kind of pass it off. Oh, yeah, that's, that's not good, but, you know, you're still a good person, right? 
when I confess my sin to God, the perfect God, the creator of the world, he goes, yeah, that's ugly, isn't it? Yeah, we, we need to work on that. So it's about giving God our heart. It's not about trying to do more. It's not about trying to earn our salvation. It's about stopping and saying, God, only you, only you. And what's beautiful about that is when we do that, when we submit ourselves to God, when we give God our heart, when we surrender our heart to him, all of these exterior things fall into place. All these things have purpose and meaning and value after we put God first, after we submit ourselves to him. So from a surrendered heart, we discover our true identity, right? When, when we, we truly understand that the creator of the universe has called us, then all of a sudden, it, it doesn't matter what the exteriors are. It's not about a little bit of skin or about the way we've uh, practiced the Bible or the things we've done or the way we've raised our hand. It is about our relationship with him. And that totally transforms the way we, we look at things. Again, going back to the, uh, the illustration of the, the figure skater, right? If I was to train with that figure skater, most likely I would just tell that figure skater they're doing an awesome job. Or I might point out things that aren't really flaws, but to me look kind of funny, right? Go, hey, when you did your thing with your toe, try to do it like this, right? I couldn't, I I don't know, I couldn't actually help them that much. But if they were to train with a, a master, that master could look at it and say, you know, I think you have some potential in this area of your life. I think if you did this a little bit different, that would really draw this out. You could really excel in that way. In the same way, when we give our heart to God, he develops our identity. We start to see ourselves, our value, our worth, not based on what other people think, but what on God thinks. And he's the one who created us. He knows what our values are. He knows what has worth in our lives. And so that radically transforms the way we look at ourselves. The next thing is when we surrender our heart to God, we obey the law. See, I think if we just focus on doing the right things, we will fail every time. But when we focus on serving and loving our God, then out of that, a natural outflow of what's happened internal happens in these external actions. A lot of you guys know I like to mountain bike, right? And one of the first things probably James taught me early on is that when you're going down a trail and you're going fast, don't look at the rocks, right? If there are rocks in the trail and you look at those rocks, you will hit the rocks every time. Your bike just naturally goes where your eyes go. It's just how it works, right? So if you're on like a steep hill, don't look down. You'll go down it. In the same way, if we just try to be good, right? We just try to do the right things and avoid sin. We end up bumping into all those sins. Instead, if we focus ahead and and look down and look at God, and we put our focus on God, all of a sudden, we start to, to live rightly. We start to be convicted of stuff, right? God starts to point out stuff in our character that's broken and flawed, and we go, okay, I need to work on that. Yeah, that's not, that's not right. And it develops in us a, a heart that, that loves to follow him. We quit focusing on what the gray areas are and how we can manipulate morality to serve us, and we start focusing on him, and it, it changes that perspective. It changes our, our trajectory. The next thing is from a surrendered heart, our outward symbols have authenticity. Outward symbols are beautiful, right? I can still remember a day that I came forward at a promise keepers convention and I was broken and I said, okay, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow you for real. And that was an outward symbol, but it was reflecting this deep inward change in my life. And it was awesome. It was significant. In the same way, when Suv and Ronnie shared their testimony and they were baptized, their baptism was beautiful. It had significance. 
because it reflected an inward change. When we take communion together as a church, one of the reasons that we ask that if you're not a follower of Jesus, that you let that communion go by is because if you don't, it's just just missing the point, right? For those of us whose lives are changed, when we take that bread, when we drink that juice, it reminds us of the sacrifice that Christ has done for us. And it's, it's transformational, not because of the outside, but because of what's happened inside. So this morning, the question I think we all need to ask is, where's our heart? I mean, honestly. And, and by just doing Christian things, by just being a good Christian uh, and being like other Christians, if that's where our heart is, then we probably are missing it. I think if God was to, to, to be in front of us, he'd say, no, that's, that's not it. Give me your heart. Submit yourself to me. Follow me. That's what I want from you. Again, we're in the middle of this breaking the mold campaign, right? And uh, and this this series is about good news, and I believe full heartedly that we are that that we have the best news ever told. But the best news ever told is not that your friends become more moral, right? That's just a weight to add on them. It's not just that your friends uh, start attending our church or check a little box on their Facebook page that says they're now a Christian. Our heart is that our friends get to experience the joy of being in relationship with the Creator, and that is best happens when you and I are in that relationship, when we have submitted our heart to God. So I guess the question I have uh, for all of us this morning is, again, where is our heart? What are we focusing on? Is it the insides or the outside? And uh, let's just take kind of a moment of silence and prayer. And I think all of us have things in our life that, uh, that aren't what God wants. And I think there's a point in time we can just say, God, I, I give up. Uh, there's things I'm trying to do. I know that I, I'm trying to earn my own way. I'm trying to do things myself. But, uh, but it's only because of you. And if you're... Uh, if you're at a place where you've never done this before, you're thinking, okay, God, or okay, Nate, I, this is interesting. I've, I've never thought of this before. Maybe I do need to quit trying to just be a good person. Maybe I need to submit myself to Jesus. Now is a great time to do that. You can say that prayer to him, um, myself, and uh, some other people would love to have a conversation about that with you. And, um, and that's the most beautiful step we can ever do is not to do more, but to, to give up. So let's just take a time of of kind of silent prayer, and then I'll, I'll wrap us up in a little bit. God, I admit that I want to earn my own salvation. I want to earn my own uh, pleasure from you. I want you to to look at me and think I'm such a good person. But also, you know that I'm not. I pray that I learn to give you my heart. And I pray for us as a church that that we are people that, that give you our heart, that we don't focus on each other and what we 
think of each other, but really on what you think of us. So I pray for that this morning, God. I pray that uh, as we sing these songs that we, that, that we submit ourselves to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Bridges Community Church, located in Fremont, California. For more information about Bridges Community Church, please visit us online at www.bridgescc.org.